Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. Maybe you're listening to this now because you missed the live version Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by these sponsors, which I am extremely grateful for. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices. Their website, thebbqguru.com. Big Papa Smokers, creators of some of the best rubs out there and retailer of many different grills and barbecue products. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. Butcher's Barbecue, creators of injections, rubs, and seasonings. Their website, butchersbbq.com. Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. And their website is greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookshack, some of the best industrial electric smokers out there today. Also pellet cookers as well. Their website is cookshack.com. Cookinpellets.com. If you want to fire those pellet cookers that I just talked about, visit cookinpellets.com to buy your pellets right now. Also by the Chops Power Injector. Forget about using one needle to inject your meats. The Chops Power Injector system has four needles for your injecting pleasure. You can visit them at barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, KansasCity.com. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, you can visit kcbs.us slash samstour for results, to register your team, or to see where the next event will be taking place. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and efficient cookers out there in the market right now. Visit their website at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Unknown Barbecue Accessories. You can visit them at unknownbbq.com slash shop. Hi, this is Scott Grigna from Fairfax, Vermont, also known as Scotty BQ, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city. The barbecue capital of the North Coast, Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. And the show is live, local, late-breaking, and jam-packed. And if you want to be a part of it tonight, the really big voice guy is going to tell you how to get in contact with the show. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagrams at BBQ Central Show. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening coming up in about 13 minutes from now. And then the segment following the second interview segment, or the first interview segment, the second segment of the show, 
the second Tuesday of the month, and we will find him new in 2017, Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. We have plenty of things on the docket to be talking about this evening to include some breaking news over at AmazingRibs.com, or at least new news to most of us. Not me. I'm on the inside track. But maybe for some of you, some of you that are members of the Pitmaster Club, or maybe you just like going to AmazingRibs.com and taking in all of the free educational and informational portions of that website. It's one of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling websites on the face of the earth, so that's where most of the people are going to get their barbecue and grilling information. So if you are a friend or a fan of that website but you don't have the inside scoop, we will draw back the curtain this evening. We'll also be talking about cold weather tips when it comes to barbecue and grilling. We'll also be talking about some other things as well. So look forward to Meathead, as most people do, the second Tuesday of each and every month here on the show. And then we will move to the second hour. I did a podcast with one Chad Lee Von Ward of Whiskey Bend Barbecue in the Pit. That would be the show that precedes this show. And a week ago, we were making our own 2017 prognostications slash trends we might see either A, dying, like hopefully sous vide, and then B, emerging or becoming even more popular. This is one that I thought or I would be willing to place money on. That, of course being the backyard pizza situation. I don't think I'm stating the obvious too much to sit here and say that, of course, pizza has been widely popular outside, on the grill, years and years, generations after generations, all that stuff, certainly. It's very popular. However, it seems that over the last not even two years, there has really been a race to the market with some type of really good pizza oven. People were spending tens, if not tens of thousands of dollars to import Italian Forno or Forno Bravo ovens or whatever the knockoff version was in China or here in the States, what have you. But over the last 12 months or so, there have been some really good either A, accessory pieces or standalone ovens that are bringing that super high heat, wood-fired, coal-fired, charcoal-fired type of an oven that you would get in the twenty dollars or $30,000 that you would find at the popular new pizza joint into your backyard for substantially less cost and not sacrificing any of the flavor. So one of my sponsors of the show is kind of jumping into that pizza foray, and that happens to be Jason Baker of Green Mountain Grills. What? You're saying to yourself? Pellet cooker, well, towards the end of the year, you had that guy on from Who's Smoking talking about the Uni 2, and that was pellet fire. No, no. Pellet fired, yes, because A, a Green Mountain Grill is fueled by pellets, and the Uni pizza oven also fueled loosely by pellets, not through the augering system, the thermostatic control, what have you, that you would find on any type of a pellet cooker these days. This is an accessory that will fit over the top, over the top of the burn pot, giving you that wood-burning oven effect. And we'll go way more in-depth with Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grills around 1014. And then we will close the show out 
with the first New Year's winner of the Steak Cook-Off Association. There was an event took place in Houston this past weekend and walking away with Grand Champ and one-upping my good friends over at Lefty and Poncho Steaks, Terry Rowan of Lone Star Q Crew. He's coming out of the bully. We're going to talk steak with him. We're going to talk about technique. Of course, we'll be talking about flavoring, if that finds its way into the whole situation. So, we have a full line ready to go here. If you want to jump in on the show, I'm more than happy to have you. It's a phone call, 216-220-0966. It's also an email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. I can tell you that in an upcoming show here over the next couple of weeks, as soon as I find the best segment to get it in, because I want to make sure we have due time. And I know he's in the chat room right now, so he doesn't have to say yes because I know he's doing it. I don't know what kind of a discussion has been levied out there amongst competition cooks, amongst the backyard cooks, between competition and backyard cooks, or nowhere in between. Making your own lump charcoal. And I remember having a conversation with then Fred Perkle from the Barbecue Guru 12 years ago. Maybe it was even longer than that. Asking him after we got the background of how the Barbecue Guru automatic temperature control devices came into play, then brought to market. What are the other products? And he had a charcoal lighting torch, and there was whatever was the first edition of the onyx oven it was like the caldera tall boy smoker it was a knockdown smoker and then he had mentioned kind of offhandedly and i'm thinking of making some type of a lump charcoal making kit so while you're cooking you can make charcoal for the next time and i said genius i can't wait to get that nothing makes more sense than that to me because i've used charcoal fire cookers i was really getting into lump charcoal at that time so made sense to me And then it never came to market. I don't know if something that really wasn't worthwhile bringing to market or what, but I've never really heard anybody making their own lump charcoal, or maybe everybody's making it. They're just not talking about it, and I don't know about it. So, so, this guy, John Solberg, who has uh, his own private podcast that we won't talk about, makes his own charcoal. We're going to do a segment on making your own charcoal if you want to make it. We'll give you, we'll arm you with the knowledge. Uh, Chad, I do not have a Tasty Licks barbecue retirement speech in the gun at this moment. However, I did see on Facebook that longtime sponsor of this show, although not for a number of years now, but as the show first rolled out, Fred Bernardo, the smoking guitar player of Fred Music and Barbecue, is a calling it a career. I didn't know, I couldn't tell from the post if it was just the music side or if he was getting out of the barbecue side as well, but a long standard of barbecue retailedness on the internet, trusted source. Again, a longtime sponsor of this show for years and years and years. Great guy to talk to. Always came up with a song right off the top, so... We wish Fred good luck. And before we go, and I'm just throwing this out here because this is a topic that I'll be taking up with Meathead in just a few short minutes. I did a news story both in the pitcast for Meathead and then on this show, top of the second hour last week, where we talked about Wisconsin residents 
voluntarily eating raw hamburger meat sandwiches, a.k.a. cannibal sandwiches or cannibal cuisine, tiger meat sandwiches, and you put them on rye bread and put raw onion slices and you garnish with salt and pepper. Maybe it was just pepper. And unless I'm wildly mistaken, Tim was golfing down, gulping down tiger meat sandwiches over the weekend while his Packers quickly dispatched the New York Giants. I'm no football expert, but if you have one second left and you're 70 yards away, 70 yards away or closer... And needing a touchdown, there's nobody else in the world I want throwing that ball other than Aaron Rodgers. He's made 700 Hail Mary passes in the last year. His percentage is wild. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the National Barbecue Association's 2015 and 2016 Barbecue Tool of the Year. They come in three awesome sizes, the half gallon, the full gallon, and the full power injector system. The half gallon is the most popular. So easy to use. Clean it, fill it, pump it, and go. You just have one brisket or pork shoulder to do. You don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. 100 bucks, and you pay the shipping. Then you have the one-gallon used for bigger stuff like competitions if you're doing the MBN whole hog or 10 shoulders to get a perfect one. This one also comes with the same stuff as the half-gallon. It costs 120 bucks plus you pay the shipping. Then the CHOP's full power injector system, the electric, the commercial and competition Big Daddy. Not a holding tank this time, but a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. From a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum, it was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. He said time and time again that with the CPI, his briskets are better than ever. This one comes with a bunch of stuff, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch, 12-gauge needles, 2-inch, 11.5-gauge needles. Plus all the other stuff listed above, 325 bucks plus you pay the shipping. A number of the top pitmasters in the world use the CHOPS power injector system because it puts flavor in every bite and it does it quickly because we're all foodies now. Also, not just for injections. How about alcohol-infused watermelon? Yeah, how about that? They're all made in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. You want the extra accessories, they got them. You want to shoot medium ground spices, they can cover you there. Here's what you do. Go to the website, Barbecue Kansas City, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, BarbecueKansasCity.com, and ask all the questions you want there. If you're going to be in Kansas City, Missouri, USA area, visit the Chops Barbecue Restaurant that Dan talked about a couple weeks ago. Support him. Barbecue Kansas City, Chops Power Injector System. Give your barbecue some power. Meathead joining me out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker 
a medium-sized cooker, or a tailgater. Any of the three, they got you covered. Also, pellets to fire those cookers as well. All you have to do is go to GreenMountainGrills.com and check them out. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You could love yours, too. You just go visit the website, GreenMountainGrills.com. All right, my next guest can be found here on this show the second Tuesday of every month. Creator of the most popular barbecue and grilling website in the whole United States. Nay, the world. Meathead Goldwood. Meathead, how are you, buddy? Hey, how's the Centralites and the rock star from of barbecue from the rock and roll city today? Hey, was it uh, absolutely exciting to hear that uh, Pearl Jam is being inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame? No, I didn't know that. They're they're um, they're playing live tonight in Chicago uh, really? as the intro act to Obama's uh, farewell speech. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that they uh, had made the Barbecue Hall of Fame. Well, not Barbecue Hall of Fame, but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, I, I thought you said Barbecue Hall of Fame. Well, that would we're trying to get me into the Barbecue Hall of Fame, but that's not working out very well. No, nah, neither of us will see it in our lifetime. I think I think you could be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame, Meathead, under business. I don't know. And celebrity. Why not? You have a best-selling book. You have a really big website. You're knowledgeable. You have a whole thing about you. You got a rap. What's the deal? Hall of Flame. Hall of- I'm, a fl- I'm a flamer. We're the first inductees into that one, Meathead. I can tell you that. High heat flamers, meathead and rampy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, no doubt. So there, uh, there's a great picture floating around of the two of us in the front seat of my car. Yeah, look like looking like Mutt and Jeff, and it, it, I love that picture. Yeah, it's great. We took it last March, or actually, we're going to be yeah. heading yeah. back to Chicago here uh, sooner than later for uh, the same type of an event. We'll be a little more west this time, but nevertheless, I wanted to talk to you quickly right off the top. Uh, you know, you're married to a lady who's job it is to be safe with this food stuff and i was wondering if perhaps you might have shared with her a tale of lament that i afforded to you. the tiger meat sandwich or also the can the cannibal sandwich which is raw hamburger meat dispersed on rye bread though i like rye bread uh raw onions to top it with some pepper and then consumed at peril and it seems to be consumed on a regular basis in wisconsin what's happening yeah, it, 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 it's it's strange. All right, let, let, let's go back. When we were kids and mom was making burgers, yeah, we loved to take a snack of that raw burger meat. I never and did it was that. Tasty. I never, never did, did that. that. No, oh, I did it all the time. It seems so big. And steak tartare is still very popular. But uh, well, I wouldn't say it's very popular. But, a lot of old guard restaurants where you can get um, shrimp dijon and uh, dishes from the fifties. Steak tartare is still big and often served with a with a raw egg on right. it, um, which is a d- double indemnity. So is that different? Is steak tartare a whole different ball game than raw than tiger meat sandwiches? I don't think raw. so. I think here's the deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, everybody here knows this, but in case somebody doesn't, let me do the quick. Please version. do it. Um, when you slaughter a uh, steer. Um, they often have E. coli contamination from feces and other things yep. on their hide because they're kept in close confinement. It's in the dust. It's in the air. Um, and if it's not done properly, if the knife pierces the intestines, 
um, in, intestinal contents can spill onto the meat. And it's not supposed to happen, but it does. But it tends to be on the surface. So if you've got a whole muscle, like a steak or a uh, uh, tenderloin, any contaminations can be on the surface. It dies at around 160, 165. So you cook it, and it's pasteurized. It's safe. The stuff, the E. coli are just too big to penetrate deep into the muscles. So you're pretty safe. Um, but when you grind raw material like that, you push contamination down into the center. And so a rare hamburger poses a higher risk. Yeah. Um, a raw hamburger, a higher risk still. Um, so, yeah, there's an element of risk there. And, um, uh, you know, it, it's not as risky as, say, Russian roulette. But, um, you know, people do it and uh, they take the risk. I, I hope they don't serve it to their children, to grandma, um, to somebody who's immune compromised. Um, but I have read test, uh, stories from people who have been hit by E. coli, and it's a pretty ugly thing. I mean, you do not want to get um, sick from E. coli. And so I probably wouldn't. Um, uh, and I know I wouldn't, and I don't, I don't think I'd, I'd recommend it. I guess the health officials in Wisconsin have been trying to warn people off of this. Yep. But, you know, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I've been eating raw hamburger for years, and it never got me sick. Well, I've been driving since I was 21, and I've never been killed in an accident. But 30,000 people a year are killed in an accident. That doesn't mean it's safe. Anecdotal data is not uh, the best way to interpret this stuff. So just because you haven't been sick doesn't mean it's safe. Resident Wisconsin and barbecue expert Tim Shop is, is weighing in here on the instant chat meathead. And he said, yeah. same as carpaccio or tartar, which we just talked about. This is He's uh-huh. directing this to me. Grow some cojones, Rempe. It's delicious. <laughs> I, I'll argue that all day long. Uh, and he said, I've eaten it for 55 years, never got sick, never saw anyone else sick here. However, uh, the Wisconsin Board of Health is sitting there documenting cases where these many hundreds of people have become sick in this year and the subsequent year. and the su- So obviously there's some type of a correlation. Well, it's like I say, I mean, I'm 67 years old and I've been driving since I was 18 and I've, ne- I've never been injured in a car accident. That doesn't mean that driving is safe. So, I mean, just because, and I could be killed tomorrow. I have had a couple of fender benders, but 30,000 people a year are killed. That's a pretty high kill rate. Yeah, for so sure. So I don't think it's safe. Just because you've been getting away with it doesn't mean it's safe. It is, I like, I, I remember it from a boy, as a boy, eating raw hamburger, and I like it. I, I, I never did that. So I, I like busting uh, people's balls for eating raw meat just for fun. So Tim knows that. So Well, uh, you, you're, you're well-trained. Thank you. So uh, that's tiger meat sandwich. Eat at your own risk, and I don't condone it. Meathead doesn't condone it. Tim Shop says, you just do it and like it. It's never going to hurt you. All right. Uh, so as far as AmazingRibs.com is concerned, there's some. I don't. Are we allowed to quote unquote break news uh, with the latest edition there? Or are we keeping that under wraps? Yeah, yeah. But I, I got to go back. I'm watching the comments here too. Yeah. Tim types in all caps, bullshit, and then somebody says, "Why is raw fish sushi, but raw rare beef not?" Oh, all They're right. Different. Go ahead, meathead. Unload. Then you, take, 
and there is an element of risk to eating raw anything. Raw anything has a higher risk than cooked anything. Like cookie dough. Cooking is what is known in the science community as the kill step. It kills bacteria and viruses. Raw anything, and that means lettuce, sprouts. Um, sprouts are probably the most dangerous yeah. food in the grocery store. Right. Um, uh, raw fish is less dangerous because you don't have the contamination uh, from the gut on the outside of the fish. It's swimming around in water, so it gets washed off a lot. Um, when you when you serve sushi, you rarely get the skin. You're getting just the pure muscle. Um, so it's it and and it's handled differently. Um, it's not the same as beef. Think of beef in a, in a feedlot. You've got hundreds, thousands of cattle standing around in their own poop, and it's dry, and that stuff goes airborne, and it gets on their hides, and then the knife goes through that hide, and then it cuts the meat. It's really a different process. It's like the difference between driving a car and driving a motorcycle. You have to understand the details. Um, so it's not at all the same as eating raw fish. Although raw fish, the danger there is not bacteria and viruses. The danger there is parasites. Right. Um, there's a lot of warm-blooded animals, uh, particularly in, near the coastal areas, where you've got seals and walruses and whales and porpoises, and their fecal matter goes to the, into the water and can carry um, um, things like uh, worms that get into fish and there are some nasty, ugly stories about people taking home a piece of fish from the grocery store and seeing a little worm swimming around under the skin. Ooh. So, but, you know, sushi chefs are supposed to be trained for that. Um, you know, um, I, 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 you, you take an element of risk when you eat anything, you know? Um, you, you try to be safe. You try to handle it properly. Boy, piling a, somebody's... Tim has really got his caps lock stuck down there. Polyacrylic, <laughs> uh, yeah, aromatic hydrocarbons are carcinogens and topics, and they're present in all smoked meats. You're going to quit eating it, Rempe? Um, I'm a vegan, by the way. I didn't know if anybody knew that. I'm a vegan. <laughs> Thank you. Polyacrylic. Meathead, hold on. Let's not get let's not get lost in the weeds here. We're just having a little fun here in the chat room. That's fine. So let's uh, let's right, go well, ahead. Let me just address that one. Oh. That stuff happens from high heat, not from low temperature. Now we don't know definitively what the issues are with smoke, but high heat cooking is the cause of PAHs and uh, HTAs, and they are known carcinogens, and they are caused almost equally by deep frying. So French fries are a real source of this oh, possible um, issue. Yikes. Look, there, there is an element of risk in a lot of foods. Um, the point is, is raw hamburger is probably higher risk than raw fish, probably higher risk than smoked meat. It's a matter of what is the risk level and how much risk are you willing to take. But it doesn't mean it's risk-free. That's right. Meathead Goldwyn joining me here on the show. AmazingRibs.com is the website if you want to check it out. If you've never checked it out, where have you been? Or check it out. Find it like the first time. So there you go. Um, Tim is Tim is hard of hearing. I mean, I don't know you, Tim, uh, but you no. are typing in all caps. No, now, no. I've been no. on this show for a long time, and I've never gotten into it with somebody. That, 
But Tim, you're not listening. You're no. just not listening. No, 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 no. Meathead. No, just, no. You, you need to fix your your um, your your uh, your earbuds. <laughs> All right, here we go. Meathead, talk to me about the new addition to AmazingRibs.com. Oh, um, are we allowed Clint, to talk about Clint, that? Yeah, it is. It's do you want me to? Now. Do you want me to give As you the breaking? One, Clint Cantwell now works for us full time. Clint, Clint is Cantwell. just a wow. dynamite guy. He's been running. Look at this guy. Anonymously been running the Kingsford website for years. Yeah, he's really a creative uh, recipe developer. Um, uh, he's experimenting, always um, doing fun stuff. He's an entertaining writer, a good photographer, um, and uh, during the past year, while I've been out there selling books, um, I have not been creating as much content as I should for the website. So I'm calling in the cavalry. I'm calling in Clint. And uh, Clint's going to be doing new material for us on a regular, ongoing basis. I'm going to continue writing, but he's going to really pick up the slack that I've left out there. Uh, and it's a great addition. He's been doing interviews um, with pitmasters in our pitmaster club for the past uh, about a year, I guess. Yep. And he's just a dynamite guy. You know him very well. Uh, we've partied with him. Uh, he, he competes. Um, uh, he's uh, got his own blog, Grillocracy, and uh, it's a re I'm really, really pleased that he's on board full time now. So, is he? Uh, has he had to divest his other interests like Grillocracy and Kingsford, or some of those things, or what? Not Grillocracy, but Kingsford, yes. Yeah. Um, he's 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 finishing out his um, uh, obligation with Kingsford, and uh, then he's going to be full time with us, or he is full time with us. He's, he's got some obligations that he's committed to with them, um, and uh, he's going to continue his own blog, Grillocracy, but um, he's, he's said he's going to put as much of his creativity as he can into AmazingRibs.com, so, and uh, th that's good enough for me. From the ownership standpoint, what do you want to see him tackle first? Like, what are you hoping he is bringing to the well, side? I mean, high level, obviously, the recipes and stuff, but what, do you, what are you looking to see? We've already gone. We've already gone down a list together of stuff, and what he's after first off, uh, I can't tell. Is um, um, is um, uh, John uh, Dawson hanging out tonight? Uh, no, I don't see him. Okay. Um, when we were talking about sous vide a couple of weeks ago, um, he, John coined a term sous because we were talking about sous vide to the grill, and it's a really great process. Yep. Um, I was calling it water and fire. John called it sous-vq, and we've kind of jiggled with that, <laughs> and we now call it sous-vq, S-O-U-B-Q, yeah, yeah. like barbecue. And uh, and so Clint is uh, diving deep into, we got him a jewel, which is my favorite uh, state-of-the-art um, sous-vide gizmo, and uh, he's um, uh, diving deep into... Um, marrying sous vide with the grill and the smoker. Should you smoke it first before it goes in the bag, or should you smoke it after? Can you do both? What's the difference? Um, what meats work and what don't? And I'm kind of interested in that too. In fact, last night I did a flank steak uh, sous vide, um, and, and I Ugh. wasn't really thrilled. Why so, not? Um. The, the, the theory is, is as you know, if you sous vide things, 
I'm guessing by now most of your audience is um, aware of sous vide. Oh, yeah. But basically you take meat, put it in a plastic bag, slip it into the water so all the air goes out, put a uh, heating element in the water, and heat it up to whatever temperature you want in case of a, a ribeye steak or something, 130. 130 is a good baseline number because below 130 bacteria do grow, so you don't want to cook it too much below that. At above 130, you can kill the bacteria. I know that uh, uh, what's-his-face probably doesn't care. Um, but uh, Shop, that's his name. Um, I think I've made my first enemy tonight. I, I, um, I think you might be blowing it a little out of proportion, but okay, go ahead. All right, so in any case, um, when it comes out, it's really ugly. It's gray, and uh, throwing it on the grill is a great way to bring Maillard flavors, grill flavors, yeah. smoke to it. Right. And you can do it really fast and hot. I've been doing it on a chimney. I call it the afterburner, and I've written about this. You just take that flank steak and throw it on top of a chimney and just and maybe three or four minutes per side, you get a great sear, and it's still perfectly medium rare, and it's really tender. The problem with flank steak, I discovered, because I thought it would be perfect for flank steak. Flank steak's got such a great beefy flavor, but it's a tough cut, and sous vide really excels at tenderizing. But the beefiness in beef comes substantially from fat. You gonna hit the button? Thank you. And uh, um, the uh, flank steak has very little fat. And so it had kind of a liver. Uh, and, and people who've eaten um, filet mignon have encountered this perhaps. Um, it, it, it's called the livery flavor. And it, it, it's mm. a slight undertone, a hint of liver in very lean beef. And um, it had that flavor because there was no no fat. So um, it's worked really well for me for ribeyes, but it didn't work for um, um, uh, flank steak. So what I ended up doing is I had this big flank steak, cut it in half, seared off one half for dinner last night. And tonight I just took the other half and sliced it up and tossed it in with uh, a stir fry. And it was wonderful. So great way to tenderize a flank steak. Um, but um, not the best uh, subacute. Are you surprised that it took such a drastic turn between cuts? I mean, beef is beef, or cuts will play the role? Well, I was surprised, but in retrospect, I understand now what happened. Um, you know, you, 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 uh, you learn by making mistakes. Um, and uh, it, I, I was really excited. I thought I was going to get a really tender, really beefy, great piece of flank steak, which I love. I love flank steak. I grill it all the time. But it just didn't have the flavor I was hoping to find. But it was very tender. So, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting new area of exploration. And, of course, I like to experiment. And I know a number of your readers have been out there experimenting with sous vide. I heard you um, uh, discussing it with Chad, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, on, on our pitcast. Uh, talking about whether it's going to last. And you predicted it's a fad and it's going to die soon. Yes, it will, um, it will be out by 2017, the end of 2017. Yeah, my guess is is it's going to fade. It's, it, it's going to end up like Crock-Pot. Um, a lot of us are going to have a sous vide machine, just like a lot of us have a Crock-Pot. And I drag out the old Crock-Pot once or twice a month and play with it and do, you know, it's great for reheating um, pulled pork, uh, <laughs> but um, 
we'll use it, but we've got to learn what it does good and what it doesn't do good. And well, I should say, and um, or best. And uh, we're gonna. We, we, I want to take the lead on this. I want to become uh, a really good source for SubiQ and uh, learn what meats work best and what meats don't and uh, pass it along. All right, so you'll be able to find that information at AmazingRibs.com. We're talking with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com, and we'll be joining him again here in just a few short minutes. Let me talk to you quickly about the folks at Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop shop for anyone interested in barbecue featuring a comprehensive selection of all-American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs that have won almost every major competition barbecue event, period. BPS is also banded together with fellow California-based rub company, Simply Marvelous Barbecue, to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two of their own unique competitions, King of the Smoker, which brings the best of the best in barbecue head-to-head in a back-to-basics competition. King of the Smoker is unique in the fact that contestants may not use any electric devices such as pellet cookers or pit minders. Contestants are just allowed to use charcoal wood in their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. The other one is known as the Guinea Pig. This is a cost-controlled competition that helps bring in newcomers to competition barbecue. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, which helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the barbecue world. Also, keep the vets because the pay down is so deep. On top of all of that, Big Papa has created a unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition, barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind, Big Papa's has been able to do all this with only six, seven years of being in the business, turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain in BJ's Restaurant and Brew House, and most importantly, benefiting children's charities across the U.S. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. And we are back with more Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James and Barbecue Talk, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all those pellet-driven cookers, like those Green Mountain Grills I talked about, or the Cook Shack ones I'll talk about in the second half. You can visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also buy from Amazon.com. As well, and don't forget to download cookandpellet.com free app on your telephone. It'll alert you when there's great shipping deals on pellets. Cookandpellets.com. All right, Meathead, talk to me about 
horse meat being legal. You, you know that's like a, a new 2017 um, template of mine that's going to be one of my platforms. It was originally a joke, but I believe that's what I'm really going to push for. But I, I mean, thought you were really great when you were talking to Chad about it. You, you, you had a great expression about how did horse meat jump the fence or something? Well, do your rant. there's, do there's, your rant. A, there's a line that somehow the horse has been able to stay on the same side of the fence as the dog and the cat. But everything mm-hmm. else on the farm is free game. The chickens, the hogs, the horses, the bulls, the roosters, the sheep, the goats. I mean, th- everything else except dogs and cats and horses is w- rapidly consumed without any upheaval at all. But, the, man, I'm telling you, I've just questioned people around the town about horse meat. And it's Google eyes like I'm talking Greek, Adam. It's, it's almost a little bizarre. They're they're what is called uh, charismatic microfauna, um, uh, uh, charismatic megafauna, charismatic megafauna, uh, which is a uh, uh, gobbledygook uh, tongue in cheek for um, they're cute big animals. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it, you know you're wrong about one thing, and no, that right. is everybody has no problem with hogs and cattle and chicken. Not everybody. Well, we no, I mean, I I understand that part, but I'm saying as far as if you're if you're a meat consumer, and I think mm-hmm. the wide majority of us are, the the horse is looked at as you know almost the India's version of the cow. Like you can't eat mm-hmm. it, and it's sacred. And I think there's also this misconception that you know the horse. We don't eat the horse because it's a it's a worker and it's a laborer and this that and the other thing. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of the other animals on the thing are, are laboring in their own portions. They're not plowing the fields, I guess, but they're not drawing Budweiser carriages down the street delivering the king of all beers. But, I well, mean, we, come on. We also ride horses. A lot of people have horses that are really pets, you know. They, yes. they, 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 they stable them. They ride them. Right. They're in love with them. They, la- they live many years. They have personalities. So I can understand where it's a pet-like relationship sure. for many people. Um, as I recall, and I may be uh, off on this, but as I recall, there was only one slaughterhouse in the U.S. here in Illinois near DeKalb um, where um, horse meat was uh, horses, usually older horses, race horses that have been injured were slaughtered and processed for meat, often for dog food. Um, and it really got a lot of people upset, and they banned it. I think it was a federal ban. Now, I, I'm, I'm just recalling, I'm not up to, usually I try to be really factual. Um, but I think it was a federal ban, and they lifted that federal ban because there was nothing now to do with these animals. They were being, you know, when they, dispatched and uh, put out of their misery. And then they had to be buried, and it was a w- terrible waste of meat um, when we have people starving. Um, so I think there are now one or two uh, slaughterhouses that process horse meat. I've not seen it at my local grocery yet. I don't think I'd have a problem tasting it. I don't know that I'd add it to my regular diet. Um, I, I, but I'll taste anything. I mean, I'll go to McDonald's and try um uh, what's the uh, McRib? Uh, you know, I'll try anything once. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, everybody. Meathead's last appearance on the show. Good night.
Um, I think uh, I could be wrong here on this as well, but I think where the issue lies is the fact that the, I don't know if it's the FDA that regulates the, the whole butchering process or those plants or whatever, but there's a government subsidy set in place for the for the red meat portion of it, which they do not give for the horse meat, or they haven't, which makes it um, non-business friendly to be a horse meat processor as it would to be a cattle processor. Uh, I'll have to double check with Dave Bosca on that, and and maybe uh-huh. this is going to encourage me to do my own insider investigative reporting there via go. the Barbecue Central show, so I can bring some facts to this argument. But I, I saw you. Yeah, you you brought brought it up there in the chat during the break, so I just wanted to touch base because maybe you knew something. Yeah, well, somebody in here was talking about having tried it in Japan. Um, Raw. Uh, I'm reading a really interesting book right now called. Real Food, Fake Food by Larry Olmsted. He's a reporter for USA Today, and he writes for Forbes and um, uh, Wall Street Journal and other number of publications. And um, he talks about um, a lot of food that is fraudulently labeled or, uh, yeah, Wisconsin people. How about that Parmesan cheese that comes in the green toilet paper tube? If you've ever had real Parmigiano Reggiano from uh, Parma, Italy, there's no comparison. And we recently learned that the cheap American stuff from the warehouses in New Jersey have cellulose in it. Um, and he does a big he he wrote some really interesting stuff years ago. And, he, and remember, a lot of your readers, listeners probably stumbled into this article where he debunked the Kobe myth. Um, uh, essentially trying to get across the point that every restaurant calling their Kobe hamburgers yeah. or Kobe steaks were lying, yeah. just flat lying. It wasn't, there was no Kobe beef in this country. It was illegal. Um, uh, and uh, uh, I've actually tasted it twice, and uh, it's really different than anything else. on the, It's different than Wagyu. Uh, it's something else. Well, when you're paying by the ounce, there's something special about it. Let's say that. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We're staying away from that one. Never mind. Um, one of the uh, things that I wanted to hit on uh, briefly, because I think a lot of us are seasoned vets, especially when it comes to the outdoor uh, cold weather cooking stuff, but. Uh, you know, do oh, you have uh, just a, a few, two, three, four, you know, high-level things you want to take into consideration as we really break into the winter, which uh, has shown teeth here already in the early season? Yeah, boy. Um, here today in Chicago, um, it hit 50, but it was 50-mile-an-hour winds. Um, and yep. it was really uncomfortable out yep. there because uh, uh, I was out in it. Um, um, and, and that raises a really good point. Yeah. All right, some some things to think about with cold weather cooking. You're going to need more fuel because you have to heat up the contents of your metal object, and the exterior of your metal object is a lot colder than it is on a summer day. So you're you're going to need more fuel. The problem is, is you need more charcoal. You also need more oxygen. So you open your intake vents, and what's coming in? Really cold air. Yeah. So you're now forcing, you're now forced to heat that air, which is your fuel. I mean, we think of charcoal as a fuel, 
but you really have two fuels, charcoal and oxygen. So you've got to heat. It's really important in cold weather to preheat your cooker, whether it's grill, gas grill, charcoal grill. You've just got to get the fire going and walk away for 30, 40 minutes or so until that metal is heated up. Uh, and you've got to get your temperature stabilized. And if you're using charcoal, you can't use your regular vent settings because you're going to need more oxygen, and that's cold oxygen coming in. Um, and the other things are is that water from rain or melting snow and wind are just your enemy, and you've got to protect against them. If you can get, I mean, people build sheds, like little outhouses for their Weber Smoky Mountains. Right. And I've got an article on this on our website with pictures of some of the things that people have done to insulate their devices. Um, these very cool designs for sheds. Others are using um, hot water heater um, insulation, um, wrapping it in a hot water heater insulation. Um, welder's blankets, um, good technique for uh, retaining heat. Uh, you just want to be careful if you're using regular um, pink spun glass cotton candy type insulation that it's not going to catch on fire. Some of them are flammable. Um, but um, the, there's a whole interesting variety of solutions that people come up with. Even just taking plywood and putting some hinges and building a plywood box around your machine um, can make a huge difference. I think uh, also one of the show sponsors, the Barbecue Guru, used to make a they called it the smoking jacket, which was specifically made to go over the Weber Smoky Mountain. Yeah, we linked to that. I don't know if they're still making it. I, I think it's still a live link on their website. But, yeah, they were making a silver metalized in, insulated bl blanket for the Weber Smoky Mountain. And it even had, like, little connections for the, obviously, for the guru and other things. Yeah, so... Uh, you you can't. I mean, all of us smoke all year. I see that. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Kinger is in here from Toronto. Uh, he knows more about cold weather cooking than I do. Um, barbecue food for you is yep. uh, Jason King, and uh, this guy probably uh, can teach us all about it. But uh, um, you know, wind and water are as bad a problem as temperature. Uh, Meathead, talk to me quickly about the two new conversion slash calculators that you've put up on the website, the uh, salt conversion calculator and the curing calculator. That's cool. Um, yeah. um, Dr. Blonder, uh, I work with uh, Pro Professor Greg Blonder from Boston University, yep. food scientist, physicist, genius. Um, and uh, just for, for fun of it, a few years ago, I put up, um, the technique for making pastrami, because you, you, pastrami is essentially smoked corned beef. Um, and uh, uh, so I thought it fit within what we were doing. And then um, it, it got real popular. Um, and, 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 and in fact, I just got email today from Harry Connick Jr. of his last batch oh, of pastrami. Mr. Name Drop. Go ahead. Drop the name. Yeah, Look I'm at you. dropping names. But He's really a great barbecuer, and he's into it in a big way, and he just sent me pictures of his pastrami. And so we then we went over and we did um, bacon, and then uh, Disney-style turkey legs. Uh, Kinger made a really good video of the uh, Disney-style turkey legs, and um, 
uh, hams, raw ham, smoke it, make it into, uh, uh, you know, a holiday ham. And so we've been getting more and more into curing. And the more we got into it, the more we discovered that there's a lot of really bad information on the Internet, mm -hmm. misinformation, um, guys who are running recipes that their uncle from Czechoslovakia taught them. And um, you're using uh, uh, nitrates and nitrites, which are preservatives, um, and they can be overused. They can make you sick. Not likely to kill you, but... Uh, and not likely to be carcinogenic either. There's uh, was a famous research study done in the 70s that said, you know, nitrites and nitrates are carcinogenic and you shouldn't eat hot dogs and bacon and stuff. And that's been disproved. Um, and I have an article on that, too. But in any case, Blonder um, worked up some formulas that we put the programmers onto, and they created this really cool um, calculators. So if you want to make bacon, you input how many pounds of bacon, how thick it is, um, and um, uh, how much PPI or parts per million of nitrite you want in the cure. And we, we recommend 150 to 200 parts per million, um, although you can go down to 120 or below. Um, and, um, and, and then the liquid. Now, all of our cure recipes are wet cures, which are different than dry cures. Very Dry cures are where you just sprinkle the salt and the seasoning and the, um, uh, the nitrites on the surface. We put them in a liquid, and there's some real advantages to that. It distributes it evenly so you don't have hot spots. Um, it's, it's harder to over-cure. Um, um, it, it's safer. Uh, you don't have to worry it's quite. I mean, you really have to watch temperature and humidity. With a wet cure, you can just pop it in the fridge because it's submerged in water. Um, so in any case, he put this really cool calculator together, and it works. It works really well because people are always coming and saying, I love your bacon recipe, but it was just for one pound. Um, I want to make 20 pounds of this stuff. Right. Um, and so now they can input the variables, uh, or I, I want to make a ham, but I don't want to make a big one. I want to make a small one. So it's a really cool calculator. It's on our, um, uh, article. It's, a, it's in my article on the science of curing, which contains a lot of really useful information about how to cure safely. Um, and, uh, while we are at it, we realized that people, don't understand that there's a difference between kosher salt, table salt, pickling salt, and that the grain size is different. So if a recipe calls for kosher salt, say a half a teaspoon, and you only have table salt, don't use a half a teaspoon yeah, because right. the grains of table salt are smaller. There's less air in a tablespoon. So you use half as much for table salt as you would kosher salt. Um, and so we, we came up with a converter table now on our salt page that you just put in how much the recipe calls for and what type of salt. And it tells you the equivalents and all the because not all kosher salts. Morton kosher salt is different than crystal kosher salt. So it, it, it converts all of those salts in one little table, which is a pretty handy little thing, too.
Right. So uh, wow. we're, we're actually thinking that this might have to turn into an app someday. Of course. And you can now, in the meantime, before the app comes out, go to AmazingRibs.com for all that information. Uh, Meathead, always appreciate the time, and we will see you again next month. Hey, I always enjoy talking to you and the Centralites. Um, and uh, uh, Happy New Year, everybody. This is the first. We'll see you um, next month. All right. There he is, Meathead Goldwood, everybody. Look at this guy. He's got the salt app and the curing app. I never really thought about, you know, let's make tw- one pound of bacon. Who? My oldest daughter, Bobby, eats three pounds of bacon. Like, like that's a normal serving. She don't care. She own it. All right, folks, let me talk to you about... The one of the longest running sponsors of the show, Butcher Barbecue, the easiest way to up the barbecue and grilling game. Here's what we know about butchers, right? Do they have injections? Yes, some of the longest, most trusted injections with very, very well received compliments from both the backyard cook and obviously on the competition trail. Dave uses his own products, he wins a lot. Also, Does Butchers have rubs? Yes, plenty of rubs. It started way back with the steak and brisket rub. Enter honey rub, which is one of my favorites. Then enter pecan, chipotle, the uh, master blend, and cherry. Did I just say that? Cherry, master, chipotle, pecan. Those are the four new ones. So if you have rubs, what else do you need? Well, if you can make it a really good one, you should bring it to market. That's why I like the sweet barbecue sauce as well. I think we can all agree that aside from Scott Roberts, I'm as picky as it gets when it comes to other people's barbecue sauce. Butcher's sweet sauce wins in every category for me. Not overly sweet. It's got the right amount of back-end heat. There's no palatable liquid smoke flavor. This tells me that Dave took the time and effort to make a quality sauce and didn't take the easy way out like most of those sauces do on your grocer's shelves. I always say get a box of six because it's going to go fast. Then, of course, you have the grilling oils, steak-flavored, chipotle-flavored, and butter-flavored. Butter's my favorite. Get a case at a time. It's shelf-stable. You can keep it right out on the shelf. You did not have to put it in the refrigerator. It's not going to go bad. This way you can see it and use it. And you're going to use it a lot. It's not just for barbecue. It's not just for grilling. It can be used in everyday cooking applications. Now, if you have somebody else's commercially made injections and you found that it isn't for you, in the past you've had to throw it out. Now you can go to butcherbbq.com, go to the trade-in link, print off the label, send back the, uh, the injection that you have, and then say, in replace of this, I want the pork injection or the prime injection. Dave will weigh it and then send you back whatever you request. So he's keeping his customers happy and his competitors' customers happy. You go to ButcherBBQ.com and take advantage of this very easily. ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We're back right after this. Stick around. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. 
Hey, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Your two ways to get in touch with me should you see fit tonight. Meathead on a roll taking it to Tim Shop tonight. Watch out. Meathead almost sounded giddy with thinking that he had made an enemy for his first. Meathead's been doing the show for like 10 years. He's like, I got finally somebody doesn't like me enough where we can start jawing back and forth. No. Centralites aren't like that. Centralites aren't keyboard commandos. If the centralite doesn't like you, he's going to find out where you are. He's going to stand kind of off to the side in the dark. And then he's going to step out front of you and punch you in your face like a man. I'm a man. I'm 40. No messing around. Centralites punch you in the face. We don't hide behind keyboards. I am not condoning assaulting anybody. I'm just saying. We don't use these. We use these. Right? Damn right. Because we're from the mean streets of Cleveland. We don't take it. All right. uh, We're back to start the second hour here in just a little bit. I'm going to grab some more water. Refill your libation. Come back. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios. Stand by. This is Jenny Bell from Clarington, Ohio, and I'm listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Cleveland. Fine, I just want. (laughs) You have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Cleveland. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before wiener. So it's Lavernius shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Top men have joined the show this evening. If you uh, missed the first hour, shame on you. Where were you? You missed the Meathead Goldwyn. Talking about salt, conversion calculators, curing calculators. We dished out some cold weather barbecue and grilling tips. We might have had a few... 2017 predictions. Maybe not. Also, big announcement that Clint Cantwell is now full-time for TheAmazingRibs.com. Congratulations to Clint. He's going to be in charge of the Suvibi... Suvibi-Q? Suvibi-Q. Yo! Go! How you know about the Suvibi-Q? I love it! 
Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show this evening, you can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. On the Twitter and Instagrams at BBQ Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. I'm seeing a lot of Himalayan salt talk in the chat room. I saw a Himalayan pink, pink Himalayan salt light at Bed Bath and Beyond that's supposed to make you sleep better and feel nice and easy. Is it? Does it make me feel nice and easy? Does it make me sleep better? I think there was some type of a heater in there, too, that uh, heated up the salt that emitted vapors into the air. I don't know. I hear a lot about pink Himalayan salt, but Matt Boer's talking about black hemi salt. Black hemi soleil? Soleil? Is that a thing? Himalayan salt is all from Pakistan. Never saw the hemis. Oh, no. What? So, Meathead and I were talking about uh, sous vide, and uh, from time to time, I like to give my two cents about sous vide. And I do think, I I will tend to agree more with Meathead on this particular situation. Whoa, I almost see. Uh, Can I blow it out? Mm, No, I don't want to blow it out. Sorry. I got to make a new shot here before I stand by getting a new shot. I do have a tendency to want to believe that sous vide is going to become way less popular by the end of this year than it is currently. I think was it summertime, springtime sous vide really took over the culinary landscape last year maybe even a year or two before then you know they really started marketing sous vide supreme was giving away or holding contests so they could get their three and four hundred dollars sous vide supreme machines out there hoping more or less that you would show it to a bunch of your neighbors and they would just become so smitten with it that they would go by so if they give you one then you know your neighbors would buy two three four five six and they recoup their cost back not a terrible marketing idea But in keeping with sous vide, the Huffington Post made this particular article, How to Hack a Sous Vide Steak in Your Dishwasher. I don't know if anybody happened to catch this one or not, but I'm going to get this all ready. So this is how to uh, perfect redneck sous vide steak. Cook with meat. All right. So stand by. You can see that steak is already in its uh, Ziploc bag, I hope. Anyway. Uh, Here's one thing that I don't, I don't, I don't know about your dishwashers. But uh, I can't set the temperature 
because that quickly called out some type of degrees in Celsius. Uh, I don't have no idea. Who uses Celsius? This is America, baby. We use Fahrenheit's and, and pounds and gallons and that stuff. So let me uh, run that quickly back and see uh, what the... Oh, of course. Hold on. Uh, 50 degrees cell, 122 degrees Fahrenheit. So even though it did the conversion and I myopically Americanized the metric system, I have I have no ability to set my temperature in my washing machine. Can anybody else do that? I can't. I should get one of those. I, I love washing machines, by the way. All right. Uh, I will continue. So uh, load the dishes, leave room for the steak in the cryovac pack, and then set your dish washer to 50 degree C, I don't know what that means, or 122 degrees Fahrenheit. I really like this music, by the way. I might just start rapping freestyle, so don't get scared if I do. Wash for 90 minutes, a.k.a. cook. Here it comes. Olive oil. That's a lot of olive oil, bro. Oh, he's going to saute it. Oh. Season now. Look, I'm certainly no professional, uh, nor do I claim to be anybody that has any type of uh, investigative bone in my body, although I believe I'm going to be getting there here in 2017. So that steak looked decently cooked. Um, I would probably challenge the way he uh, seared that steak at the end. Personal preference. But inside, it looked pretty decent. So, if you don't, what's the what can we glean from this tutelage? If you don't want to go get a jewel or a sous vide supreme or any of those other things, then just use your dishwasher and adjust it to 122 degrees. Cook for 90 minutes. It's going to be at 122 degrees after 90 minutes and then sear it off and you can have your own sous vide. Do you have any idea how many steaks that you can cook sous vide via the dishwasher? Come on. I mean, you got to be able and then you got top rack action. It didn't delineate whether it's got to be top or bottom rack because I imagine, you know, the heat's pretty uniform in there. However, you got to be able to cook damn near 70 steaks in the you you could sous vide 70 steaks in the dishwasher sous vide type of a situation. That's very exciting news. 
I'm trying to find out, trying to find this news story. Oh, look at this. Well, I w- this was the news story I was hoping to do. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to get to it, but perhaps somebody has realized that maybe the story was false. It was uh, kidney stones, but really pregnant. You know, that that old story where the woman thinks she's got kidney stones, but, you know, has a kid. Uh-oh. I'm pregnant? I had no idea. A baby? Honey, I think I'm... Oh, yeah. I'm I'm getting ready to pass a kidney stone here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's a kid. That's a kid. <laughs> it's not a kidney stone. It's an anchor for life. Sweet Jesus. Head for Z Hills. Meathead, that's what I'm saying. I don't have a dishwasher that even lets me set the temperature. Must be a Canadian thing. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru. Gang, if you have been thinking about automatic pit temperature control technology, why are you going to buy from anyone else? Stop here. These are the people that created this technology. They are the forefront leaders. That's redundant. Not familiar with how these little beauties work? I'm not going to get into the minute detail, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature and once set, keeps it running at that temperature all the way through to cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology right today because maybe you're a busy working professional or perhaps you're constantly on the air with kids doing errands. And quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend pit temperatures. The barbecue guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, or all of that, and you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. Number of different models to choose from. The one that has the most tech and the most ability to control two separate pits and monitor internal temperatures of meat, that's the CyberQ Wi-Fi. It generates its own hotspot. You can also hook it onto your local area network. Either way, you connect a smart device to it. You can see where your cooker's at. You can see where internal temperature of meat is at. If that pork butt is cooking too quickly, you can ramp the pit temp down. If it's cooking too slowly, you can ramp the pit temp up. Just that easy. Once it's done, you can set it in the holding pad. The other side of that, the party queue. About 130 bucks runs on AA batteries. It's a totally self-contained unit. They can go from the kettle-style cookers to the bullet-style cookers to the Kamado-style cookers. This is like the cruise control for automatic pit temperature control devices. Runs in five-degree increments. Set your pit temperature. Boom. There it goes. If you're in the market for a cooker, we're going to be talking about Onyx Oven with Bob Trudnack here in two weeks' time. So stay tuned for that for a big update, refresh, reveal. So do yourself a favor and head on over to thebbqguru.com and check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them. Don't guess. Call them. 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU or thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. All right, we are back with Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grills. Stick around. We'll be right back.
the only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Heyo, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made-in-the-USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket-hot chimney grillers, and heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. To find products from Unknown Smoker Accessories, keep your gear where it needs to be at arm's length, ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today. That's unknownbbq.com slash shop today. And use promo code REMPY for 15% off your entire order. That's uh, Rempe, R-E-M-P-E, 15% off. All right. My next guest has been a longtime sponsor of this show. I am a proud owner of their Jim Bowie model pellet cooker. And tonight, we continue the pellet talk, but we'll be branching out a bit from the traditional barbecue meats to talk a little bit more into a trend that I am predicting we'll see a banner year in 2017. That is pizza. So let's go ahead and head over to the hotline. And welcome back, Jason Baker, to the show. Jay, how are you, buddy? Good, Greg. How are you, man? Absolutely fabulous, Jason. Always appreciate you making time for the show. And I guess before we get into the pizza talk, if you uh, could possibly give us kind of a high-level update at Green Mountain Grills and uh, how the pellet cookers are performing right now, and then we'll uh, skirt over into the pizza stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a great year. Uh, 2016 was another banner year for us. Uh, and the whole segment just continues to grow. Uh, we thank a lot of the people that are that are out there in the forefront really doing the heavy marketing. Uh, we're just kind of falling behind them, but uh, it's fun. It's a, it's a it's a good time. People are having uh, more and more fun with their with their pellet grills, and we are we're happy to uh, to keep innovating. That's kind of what we're what we do on a continual basis is just try to innovate and uh, make the product better i mean that's our goal every day we come to work all of us we're we're listening to our customers and and trying to figure out ways in which we can make our grill better jason you know two years ago it was a a banner year for pellet cooker manufacturers last year uh, was another banner year for pellet manufacturers this year Mm -hmm. uh last week i actually did a 2017 trends and predictions uh for this year and uh, chad Ward and I talked about how, uh, well, at least I thought, and he agreed, um, and not for the obvious reasons. But uh, I said, hey, you know, this this 2017 could be the year where pellet cooker really becomes pervasive and mainstream, and everybody it's it's being mentioned in the same breath as gas grill or you know offset stick burner or whatever. It's going to become another mainstream utility, and I'm wondering if you think the same thing. I do think the same thing. I, I, I believe that uh, the, the average backyard that, that I go into more and more has, has some kind of a Kamado cooker. It has uh, some kind of a gas grill, uh, and it has a pellet cooker of some form or an offset of some form. So I think pellet grills are definitely uh, they're, they're, they're coming on. But I would say that it's still a pretty small number. Uh, so I think that, you know, in our area and uh, what we see and what we hear every day, it, it's easy for us not to miss 
talking about pellet grills, but there's still a huge portion of the population that doesn't know what a pellet grill is. I think that there have been some great uh, strides here in 2016 for sure uh, with with television uh, really kind of leading the charge uh, on the marketing side uh, uh, from our major competitor. Uh, they've done a tremendous job really getting people to say, well, what is this thing that delivers pellets and it's all automatic? And uh, so I'm seeing more and more of this uh, take place uh, in the marketplace. But, uh, you know, I still, we're all cautious, right? We, we, don't, we don't want to think about like what you're talking about. I don't want the over-under on the sous vide, right? So <laughs> Yeah, I, I, honestly, I don't think we have to worry about that, but do you think it's no, just um, do you, do you think it's a longevity mm-hmm. situation here where pellet cookers just haven't seen the type of time in market that gas grills that charcoal grills have, and that if you know you're able to withstand another ten years or fifteen years, it's it's going to be quite a, a bit different market share segment at that point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, look, we're the numbers we see out there. We are still a very small portion of. Of a, of a massive total that is owned uh, almost 90% plus by uh, gas and charcoal. So we're, we're cognizant of that. And like I said, I think that we just have to keep innovating. We, keep, we have to keep focusing on what we do best, and that is uh, bring a product to the marketplace that people enjoy, right? I mean, that's, that's the key every day for all of us. We have to make sure that our customers are enjoying our product. Uh, the knock on pellet grills, Greg, is that look, these things have they have motors, they have fans, they have uh, computers, uh, they've got uh, uh, augers, they've got thermal sensors, igniters. Uh, you've got all these different parts in these things, and the knock on these grills is, has always been uh, that parts will fail, and that is the thing that uh, people they're getting more comfortable with in owning a pellet grill. If, if, if you own a pellet grill for five years, I guarantee you you've changed a part in it. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the part that I think people, that's the part that everybody's got to make easier for the public, uh, for there to be widespread adoption. And that's frankly why we've never gone into the box stores, uh, because we do believe that the independent dealers uh, are the folks that uh, are going to help us through and, and make sure that uh, they can help customers that are that are experiencing an issue or something's happened that uh, that we can't figure out or diagnose on the phone. Do you think and that? that might, I was just going to say. Do you think that gas grills have have been able to overcome that type of a thinking? Because I mean, certainly you don't have a lot of electronics and, and computers and stuff, but you're going to have to replace burners. You're going to have to replace uh, flavorizer bars and grill grates and all that other stuff. Uh, is it just like it, because it's tech, it's assumed that it's going to be hard if you have to unbolt a couple screws and make a few connections and rebolt it back in? I think that's what it is. I, I really do. I think it's overcoming that fear uh, for the public, right? And we see it. It's pretty simple. When we look at our, uh, when we look at the market, we, we go, okay, the Midwest has always been a, a great place for us to sell grills. Uh, New York State, uh, Pennsylvania, up the corridor of New Hampshire and, and Massachusetts uh, have not always been great areas for us. Same thing if you go into uh, maybe the L.A. Basin or the, or, the, or the Bay Area Basin. But what's happened is, interestingly enough for us at least, we've penetrated those areas more in the last uh, couple of years with the introduction of Wi-Fi. So people in those areas have really 
uh, gravitated towards uh, what we're doing on the Wi-Fi side. So they like the technology, mm-hmm. and they've gotten more and more comfortable with the pellet grill concept. Do you think if I asked you gun to head, do more people mm-hmm. of the general population know what a pellet cooker is or know what sous vide is? <laughs> Man, oh gosh. Oh gun great. To the head. Jason is dead everybody. Oh no. I don't know. I I I would tend to think, I would tend to think that just because Sous vide has become so rampant. I think pellet cookers have become way more popular, but this, this, even just the term sounds wacky, sous vide, that it just got, seems to have gotten a lot more press. Starbucks is introducing sous vide eggs uh, later this week or something like, or or maybe they just released them the other day. So, uh, and, and chefs are talking about it. So maybe, maybe the general populace might know what sous vide is a little bit more than pellet grills, but it could be 50 50. What do you think? I, I, I think you're probably right in the sense that more people probably do know what sous vide is. And the, and the reason is it's just everywhere, right? Every, I can't, you can't go anywhere without seeing one of those things somewhere, even on television or somebody's using it on a, on a cooking show. So it, it's out there. It, it's def, I would, gun to the head, I would say more people probably know what a sous vide is. <laughs> All right, so we're not putting guns to anybody's head, so that's a good thing. So I just got to force you to answer questions. I hate to do that. But we're talking with Jason Baker, Green Mountain Grills, uh, of course, GreenMountainGrills.com. So one of the other things that I have prognosticated, as I had mentioned in the open, is the fact that this is going to be the year that we see the rise of pizza. And I don't think that this is going to be one of those quick everybody's into it this year and then it starts to topple off towards the end of the year. I think we're just going to start to climb this mountain and that's pizza at home and pizza cookers. And obviously you guys at green mountain grills are buying into that as well because you have this new pizza accessory you bring to the market. Right. Yeah, we do. We see it as a huge market. Uh, we, you know, it's funny because, and I've cooked with every pellet grill manufacturer out there. I know all these grills, pretty, pretty well, yep. all my competitors very well. And they all act the same with, with a pizza on them. Uh, you, you don't quite get the, you don't quite get the radiant heat that you want and you don't quite get the, the conduction that, that you really need to get the, uh, the high temperature to hit whatever you're cooking, uh, to get that crust perfect, right? That, that, that conduction heat that's nailing that stone in a, uh, in a gourmet pizza oven, uh, that is the that that's kind of the crux of it all when when you get to that point and then you couple in the the radiant heat and the convection and you've got a pretty good starting point to learn how to do pizza uh, and that's where we started we started with that premise of gosh we're, we've cooked a lot of pizzas on these grills uh, our own grills our competitors grills and it's just missing something how do we make this better and so that's where we started we started with that uh, in our planning concept just to create an, an accessory that that we could just focus on our Daniel Boone and our Jim Bowie uh, grills, something that, that the consumer could place inside their grill and make very simple pizzas. And I think we've I think we've nailed it. I think they're uh, I think the product is is uh, it, it's well thought out. Uh, I believe it's been uh, we, we did a very short run of these by the way and threw it out in the market uh, quicker than than we wanted to, uh, but. You know, we wanted to get it out there so that uh, we could hear some feedback around the uh, holiday season into the new year, why people had some time off. 
and it's it's been pretty well received, and we're actually pretty stoked about it. It's a, it's a great product. Uh, I've been using it for, gosh, probably a year and a half. So we've we've wow. been uh, testing this thing for a long time. A lot of us have been using it, uh, and the reason is, Greg, is because we wanted to make certain that uh, that we that we could get a patent on this because we knew that this was something that that worked and that uh, others would would definitely be uh, looking to copy. So we're we're pretty stoked about the product. All right, so we're kind of flashing up pictures here as you're talking. So if you could kind of paint that uh, mental picture for us, if we have a Jim Bowie or we have the Daniel Boone cooker. Uh, you're obviously taking the grill grates off of either the, the whole thing or at least in the Jim Bowie side uh, on the left-hand side, and then you're taking everything out, or, or like what do you what do you have to do to get it set up? Basically, all the guts come out of the grill. So all that you're seeing when you open up the lid of your grill is the firebox down below. And this this apparatus, if you will, this this pizza attachment is one one full piece that drops in right there on top. Of the, imagine just an upside down or, or a funnel going right into the uh, firebox itself. So that upside down pyramid goes right there, right on top of the firebox. You've got the, uh, uh, it, it's weighted so uh, it, it, it's, it's balanced on the front end and the back end of the grill itself. And then uh, the top can be removed if needed, but most of the time what you're doing is just utilizing the pizza peel and, and throwing it in there and pulling it out. The neat thing about this particular product is we're using our grills uh, uh, to, to really maintain the heat. So when, in our grills, we utilize our, our, our sensor on the left-hand side. And that sensor uh, basically gives a, a, a temperature uh, that is right at the grate. And what's cool is obviously this pizza oven's right there at that same uh, locale. If you set that grill temperature at 350, uh, you can basically achieve almost double that inside of the pizza oven. So imagine, you know, 700 degrees inside that, that area that you're, that you're looking at. Uh, and if you think that's too low or you think it's, it's too high, you can lower it. If you think you want to cook faster, you can kick it up. Uh, so that's, that's what's neat about this product is that you can truly control that fire. And then you obviously you have that like uh, pizza stone that's in the in the bottom of it that you're cooking up. Correct. So yeah, when you open that lid, uh, we've actually modified. We've already made a modification on this, but that front lid uh, will be coming off. You don't need it. It doesn't. Uh, there's a minor change in temperature uh, with the utilization of it. So we are removing it, and it will be just opened up. And if it were opened up, you would just see the pizza stone itself uh, sitting there inside the apparatus. Just like that, yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, from your, so you're able to, you have the fire pots roaring with fire. Mm-hmm. The heat's coming around it. Obviously, there's uh, vent channels there on the side of the pizza stone, and then the heat's mm-hmm. hitting that top, and then you're getting that nice top-down cooking, which is helping cook the top, and then it's also giving you that, uh, I don't know if blistering is of the uh, dough is the right term, but I think I hear pizza nerds talk about blistering of the crust all the time. So uh, this is getting yeah. you that uh, that temperature you want. Uh, but we're traditionally using here those uh, thinner style, those Neapolitan style pies in order to use this, just like a lot of these other things too, right? Yeah. So yes, absolutely. There, there are other. A lot of people are, are doing different things, and we're careful to to not tell people what they can and can't do with this. But uh, you know, one of the things I've been playing around with lately is 
basically reverse searing steaks on uh, another grill and then popping uh, the uh, uh, an actual cast iron skillet inside here at, at pretty high temperatures and then obviously finishing off my steaks in there. And, you know, just trying to learn a little bit more of what we can do with this uh, is, is down the road. But yes, absolutely. There, you can do, I think you're going to be able to do a lot with this. Would putting beef right on the pizza stone kind of ruin the, the stone at that point or would that be okay? It's okay. Yeah, oh. it's fine. Okay, cool. That's cool. I don't want to, you know, you know me, I don't want to ruin anything. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I've, I, I, the only comment I've come across is uh, like a Papa Murphy's film. Uh, those films don't do very well when we do tell people do not utilize those. If you're going to try to do it, get the uh, film off uh, if you're going to use those Papa Murphy pizzas. Because <clears throat> those things will, uh, uh, they kind of disintegrate pretty quickly. So you said you were using it for like a year and a half before you were like, yeah, let's go ahead. I mean, was it also a bunch of different variations or, or different models that you were prototypes that you were using, or was it the same one that you were just trying to hone in? Yeah, it was pretty much the same one, just trying to hone it in. We, we wanted to make absolute certain that uh, we could nail this with, uh, with a patent. So uh, we were very careful to release this. Uh, in its in, in its completely done stage uh, and cover all of our bases and make sure that it wouldn't be copied. All right, so let me ask you about warranty and then let me ask you about price point and when they're available for sale. Yeah, so we do two-year warranty. Uh, we are telling folks right now that they're priced at $129, uh, but I've seen some dealers that are jacking the price because demand's up there a little bit. Uh, but most most of most of the dealers are at 129. Like I said, it is a very limited run, and we'll have more here uh, probably by well, we know for sure in March. Uh, okay. But we are a little we're going to be a little bit behind on the uh, production of these. Is this something that you can like pre-order now or order on Green Mountain Grill's website, and then once they start getting in uh, in stock, you start fulfilling orders? So they can definitely order it from their dealer. They can definitely put pre-orders in with their dealers. As you know, we don't sell anything direct, uh, so nothing through us directly. But, yes, for sure they can they can get with their dealer and, and get on the list. All right, so i got to ask, you got the pizza coming out. Is there any other, like, uh, items in the pike that you're working on that might get released at some point this year? A lot, man. There's a lot. We, uh, really? We keep, we keep investing back into this company. It's a lot of fun to be, uh, to be with ownership that, that are not greedy and they're not looking to uh, to make a quick buck. It, it is about making a better product and it's uh, it's fun to be a part of this company because we are innovating uh, at, at some pretty good speeds. We've got some things coming here in uh, the next couple of years that I think are going to blow people away. You're going to be at the HPBA show in Atlanta? We will. Yes, yeah. I'll be there. All right. Well, yeah. There, I, are you I, going? Well, there's been rumors. There's been rumors. No, nothing confirmed yet, but you know, if you're going to be there, that's definitely going to help me kind of run down the edge there. So uh, we'll okay. see what happens. I'll, I'll stay in touch. So uh, this is Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grills, and uh, we're talking about the new pizza accessories. If you have a Green Mountain Grill dealer by you, if not, find one and then uh, put in your orders there. This is going to go great with your Jim Bowie and your Daniel Boone. Jason, always appreciate the time and the continued sponsorship of the show, my friend. Thanks so much. Hey, man. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate you it. There he is, Jason Baker. 
Green Mountain Grills. That's the wrong thing right there. That's the guest uh, spot right there. And <laughs> that's the other side of the studio. I got 58,000 TVs in here. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jason, can you pop this in any barbecue? Uh, no. This is made for the Daniel Boone and the Jim Bowie Green Mountain Grill cookers. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about CookShack, manufacturer smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you barbecue in your backyard in the competition circuit or in a five-star dining facility, CookShack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. CookShack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoking, grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com, C-O-O-K-S-H-A-C-K, or follow them on these type social media platforms, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, YouTubers, the Twitter, Pinterest, and Google Pluses. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fest, Eddie Moran. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill, low and slow or hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cookshack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Basically, anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a cook shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit their website, cookshack.com. We have... Terry Rowan, who's going to talk to you about championship award-winning stakes from this past weekend. Meanwhile, you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show, broadcasting live right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Hey, welcome back. Great to see you. Great to see you. Of course, always good to see you. This is me stalling because I wasn't on my game. Hey, the SCA is off and running the Houston State Championship, which was event number 144 in the SCA's history. was in Houston, Texas this past weekend. And coming out on top was my next guest here to recap the weekend as the pitmaster from Lone Star Q Crew competition barbecue team and a first-timer here to this show. Let's welcome Terry Rowan. Terry, how are you, buddy? Oh, doing great. 
Greg, you? I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Terry, appreciate you making time to talk about the uh, steak stuff and uh, a little bit about your background. So I guess, you know, let's start there first, your uh, first time here in the Barbecue Central show. So uh, maybe a little background about yourself and if barbecue is always kind of something you've been around. And then when when did you decide to get into competition barbecue? Oh, um, uh, received a... A little cheap offset smoker uh, from a friend uh, that he gave me uh, back in 2007, and I played with it for a little bit, and uh, then said, you know, <laughs> you got to stick right with these uh, small offsets and feed a stick or two of wood to it about once every uh, 15 minutes. So then decided to get a a uh, larger offset pull behind pit and uh, got that in 2010 and did a comp- one competition that year and and then did another one in 2011 and 2012. And it was just a little local cook-offs that we had going uh, at the little county fair up here, et cetera, and uh, <clears throat> then had the opportunity to uh, uh, meet my uh, good friend, cooking buddy, Cody Allen Barr, and Went to a cook-off with him and kind of got hooked. And uh, three, four weeks later, went and did a competition with him. Got hooked in 2012 and did about, oh, four or five more cook-offs with him that year. And then in uh, 2013, we we kept it up and did about 19 cook-offs. And uh, then in 2014, we picked up a sponsor of... uh, Lone Star Beer, and uh, uh, and just kind of been going from there. Uh, predominantly, we were just doing all barbecue, and um, I want to say, Greg, probably somewhere in 2015, we started noticing uh, the SCA, uh, State Cook-Off Association organization that uh, Brett and Ken has uh, put together, and first-class organization, I might add. And so uh, we started doing some little fill-in uh, cook-offs, uh, doing ribeye steak. Uh, really didn't know what I was doing, but I took a stab at it anyway. And had the opportunity prior to that to do a couple of jackpot steak cook-offs. And so really, we just uh, kind of added the steak cook-off uh, competition piece along with uh, to the uh, barbecue competitions we do and. And got hooked, and uh, Cody and I both qualified, and made it to the uh, World Championship uh, Ribeye State Cook-Off held at Billy Bob's in Fort Worth, and uh, just kind of last year, and, and kind of went from there. So once again, we started and uh, competed in Houston last week. Are you uh, home based so, out of Houston, or where are you at? No, um, uh, we. Uh, live about 30 miles uh, north of Dallas. So uh, that's where we call home. Uh, basically, a town called Denton. Uh, Denton, manufacturer of Peterbilt trucks. Hello! Uh, yes, ha- sir. Yeah, I happen to be a Class 8 Peterbilt salesman. That's why I know where Denton, Texas is. So. Um, yeah. So let me uh, talk to you about the SCA. You know, as you had said, you were starting to take notice of the SCA around 2015, and I was hearing rumblings of it, uh, didn't really 
kind of get on my radar as far as things to cover until about last year when it really seemed to pick up steam and they had put on a substantial amount more of events than they had in, in years past. And I guess what I think I'm hearing a lot from the steak cooks, and obviously these are being paired up with a lot of barbecue competitions, whether you're talking IBCA or FBA or KCBS, what have you, is that, hey, these are one-day events. They're way less expensive than it is to do a barbecue competition. And, oh, by the way, you know, if you win or, you know, you get halfway decent call, I mean, the payout isn't too bad for the amount of effort you're putting in as well. Uh, that is exactly right, Greg. Um, it, it is. You're, I mean, basically, when you go into a barbecue competition, you got to be pulling there and um, getting set up and everything on a Friday. And, and as you know, hell, you start putting briskets or pork butts, uh, whatever you're cooking for the competition on in the wee hours. And it's, uh, you know, you're up and down and off on with it all night. And then it's all day Saturday. And hey, with the, State Cook-Off Association, these competitions, are uh, it's, it's a one-day event. Um, you basically pull in, and I think they make all the uh, cook sites available anywhere from 7 to 8, 8 a.m. on that, uh, on a, like a Saturday morning. So I'm just going to talk about just a steak-only competition. Um, have cooks meeting around 10. Usually steak turn-ins about 3. They have awards usually no later than five, and you know you're out of there and on the road and headed home. So, uh, and a lot less equipment uh, to have to uh, haul and take care of with a state cook-off competition versus barbecue. Terry Rowan joining me here on the show uh, from Lone Star Q Crew Competition Barbecue Team, talking about uh, the Houston SCA event that took place uh, this past weekend, the Houston State Championship. That he won. So take me back to last uh, this past weekend, Terry. I mean, what do you take with you? Um, what do you use for fuel? What do you like for spices? And then uh, we'll get into the cooking process there. Um, um, well, first off, uh, obviously we cook on uh, charcoal grills. Uh, we we prefer PK grills. They're a big sponsor of the uh, SCA yep. and uh, put out a great product. Uh, same with grilled grapes, use those as well. And um, uh, then we use uh, uh, Kingsford Professional Charcoal, which Kingsford has signed up in a big way with uh, the SCA and and, ba- and really basically sponsors all the cook teams and gives you the opportunity to uh, cook with their product, which is is does a does a great job, uh, great heat source. Um, I don't know, is there anything I'm leaving out here, Greg? Well, I, you know what? I have a question in regards to that heat source that you were just talking about. I mean, certainly Kingsford has a, a great name, a great product. There's a lot of you know top-notch barbecue guys that I talk to that use Kingsford. But it seems that when you get into a high heat experience, you're looking for the fuel that gets you there the quickest and, and might be there the longest. And that has traditionally, a mindset at least, been lump charcoal, whatever it's... Uh, Cowboy or Royal Oak or Fogo or whatever the brand of the day is, there's always been more of a mindset that the lump charcoal is going to get you the higher heat than it is for the briquettes. So, are you not? Have you experimented with that? Do you not find that to be the case? What are your thoughts on that? We've experimented a little bit with lump charcoal. Um, it's just the fact that uh, the the Kings for Professional Series seems to be 
I don't know, I guess for lack of a better way to say it, maybe a, a little better or higher quality grade. Uh, it, it seemed than their uh, regular brand. It seems to burn hotter than their regular brand. So it really kind of gives you the effect of the lump charcoal and uh, you know, a lot less ashes. Um, it, it, I mean, it's just a great product. And I mean, why not cook with it when, uh, as you know, as you know, even with your show, it's great to have sponsors. I mean, that's what helps keep things rolling. So with what the SCA is doing, uh, with, uh, Kingsford charcoal is a great thing. No doubt about it. Uh, Terry Rowan joining me here on the show. Terry, talk to me about, you know, as you, once you get your, uh, steaks picked out, do you kind of sit them out and let them achieve that room temperature, if you will, uh, before they hit the grill? Or do you like to keep them kind of chilled off? And when do you apply your rub before you hit the grill? Well, I mean, obviously, the time for it to set out just really depends on the, the time of the year. Houston last weekend was uh, very tough. So when we unloaded and set up, it was 28 degrees. Uh, so it's going to be very, very hard to get something <laughs> up to room temperature when you're dealing in that kind of weather. I mean, you get into late spring and summer, well, you kind of got to watch it. Well, you leave a steak out, it could it could cook on your table over there before you can get it to the grill. So, um, you know, it, it just varies. And, yes, we like to try to get up to room temperatures uh, as much as possible. Is your seasoning something that you guys uh, make yourself, or are you using some type of a commercially available seasoning? Um, it's, what what we do is just, it, it's pretty much something we make ourselves. It's just your, I mean, it's about, it's, it's just the basics, uh, what people would use, you know, uh, there's, there's salt in it and pepper and garlic powder, et cetera. Yeah. Do you find other things we do not share? Are, are there under, are there other teams or are there any teams that you know of, you know, I've, I've always fancied myself a pretty good steak cook, but. You know, in, in the in the very bare bones of it, I really like to just do some kosher salt, maybe some black pepper at the end so it doesn't burn, and that's it. And obviously competitions are quite a different phenomenon. Obviously, you know that with the whole barbecue competition side of thing where it's really kind of an over-the-top flavor profile to grab that judge's attention. Do you think guys are applying a, a similar barbecue competition mindset to the steak cook where everybody's using some type of... Uh, extra rub in order to grab a judge's attention or do you know people that are using salt and pepper and that's it well it's it's both greg uh i mean so much of your members of the sca is made up of barbecue competition cooks uh i mean there's several of them that we run into at, at competitions that we might have been uh, at a barbecue competition a couple of weeks before, and, and they were there cooking that. So the SCA's just offered up more opportunities to fill in for all cooks uh, to compete. So going back to your question, yes, I, I think you've got barbecue cooks that are attempting to put uh, flavor profiles uh, on steaks like they do barbecue. And then uh, there's some people in the SCA that compete that have, I've never seen at a barbecue competition, and I think they are probably working to just put out a good, simple product. As far as SCA events that you will be 
circling this year? Do you have a certain amount that you're going to be doing, or if they just happen to be kind of where you're going to be for barbecue competitions, you'll do them? Um, last, uh, well, we'll back up to 2015. We were, and, and prior, we were predominant barbecue. And uh, I guess uh, Cody and I both maybe got hooked on it and, in 2016 and probably two thirds of the competitions that we did were state cook-offs versus barbecue. Uh, so we cranked it up a big way and we wanted to qualify and get to the world championship at Billy Bob's in October. We, uh, were able to accomplish that. So, um, we may just end up doing more cook-offs this year and try to keep the same number of, uh, that we did on state and, I don't know if my memory serves me correctly. Maybe we competed in somewhere between 15 to 19 state cook-offs. And so we may try to do that as well again this year and and go back and increase the number of barbecue cook-offs we're doing. And obviously Lone Star Beer, the sponsorship they provide us is, uh, it's, it's fantastic and allows us to do that. Where's the next barbecue competition taking place, Terry? Um, we'll probably, be, uh, in Beeville, Texas, um, Southwest of Austin on uh, the weekend, it's IBCA sanction, uh, July or January, uh, 20th and 21st. And, uh, then we're looking to, uh, at least go to, uh, Rogers, Arkansas for the, uh, grilling in the, uh, Ozarks state cook-off, uh, on February 25th. All right, this is the Pitmaster Lone Star Q Crew Competition Barbecue Team, and his name is Terry Rowan, and he won the Houston Steak Championship. That was event number 144 for the SCA in Houston, Texas this past weekend. Terry, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. We you, appreciate you, Greg. Absolutely. There he is. It's Terry. He can cook steak. And win cash money, baby. Yeah! Let's win it! (laughs) See, I knew it. I knew it. I had to ask like four times about flavor profiles. Did you hear that? (laughs) No. Well, a little of this, a little of that. Other stuff I don't want to tell you about. I don't want to tell you. I get it. I can already see where this is going. I can already see it. Secret steak rubs. Triple secret steak rubs. Hey. I get it. Gotta have the upper hand. That's why I say if I was a really good barbecuer, I would never make a product that would help anybody out, nor would I ever help anybody because I want to keep all of the winning to me. That's why nobody likes me. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the Pit Barrel Cooker Gang. Pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy. Who needs the hassle, right? But I strongly suggest you consider the Pit Barrel Cooker. The Pit Barrel makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. Imagine a single unit that turns out great traditional barbecue meats like brisket, pork, shoulders, and ribs while also being able to ramp up in temperature to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. The versatility is all thanks to a revolutionary design called the hook and hang method. 
It places the food right in the center of the heat, so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie. The result, great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. Not only is the pit barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy as well. It's not only built to withstand heat, but thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the PBC able to stand up to any type of weather. Also extremely portable. It can fit in the back of most trucks, vans, and SUVs, so it's ready to go wherever you are. Of course, all barbecue folks love accessories, and the pit barrel doesn't disappoint here either. From the rubs, the unique removable ash pan, the pit grips, turkey hangers, the chimney starter, the cool coffee mug, the really cool beer koozies or drink koozies. Hinged Grill Grace has a full line of accessories that will really complete your pit barrel cooking experience. Best part, 299 bucks. The pit barrel comes fully assembled, ready to cook on, and ships for free right to your door. Not only does the cooker ship free, but with so few returns, everything else ships for free as well. No promo codes, no coupon codes. You just buy it, and it ships for free. Don't take my word for it. The folks at AmazingRibs.com continually sing the praises. They give it their highest rating each and every year. That's the gold division, and they've done it not once, not twice, but three different times, and in a row, I might add. Head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com, see what everybody's talking about, and be sure to check out their full collection of short how-to videos. Then pick up one or two for yourself. If you have any questions, contact them directly through their website or call 800, I'm sorry, 502-228-1222. That's 502-228-1222. They will actually talk to you. Find out what great customer service is all about. PitBarrelCooker.com. All right, we're back to wrap the show. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. 216-220-0966, Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. That's the way to get in touch with me during the show or off the show. You can always leave me a voicemail on the hotline. I'll get to it. If it's really good and funny, I'll play it on the show. We'll dissect it. It'll be fun and fantastic. Thanks again to Terry Rowan for joining me last segment, talking about the SCA event that he won this past weekend. So he's got a barbecue competition coming up, and then he's going to be going to Arkansas to do the Grilling in the Ozarks. Is that what it was called? Grilling in the Ozarks? I got to have Brett uh, on from the SCA more this year. That's kind of a new personal resolution for 2017. The newest horse meat resolution is that I am actually, I have become so, I have tricked myself. What do they say about lying? It's not lying if you think it's the truth. Well, I have thought myself into actually taking horse meat topic instead of just making fun of it and talking about it in a serious way but really making fun of it delving into horse headlong pardon the pun long headlong and seeing where it's at can you get it is the, are they being subsidized is it all going out of country to mexico toronto canada 
Toronto's different, or Montreal and Canada. I think Montreal and Canada are different. Uh, Montreal's France. West. So that is going to be something that I actually bother doing. And I will try to have reports for you next Tuesday as far as where does the horse meat stand. Because that's what you want to know. You want to know. You've talked about it. You've talked about it. You've made a thing about it. Now put up or shut up. Or really just shut up about it. (laughs) Well, I'm going to do my due diligence. You'll see. All right, let's wrap it up all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Meathead Goldwood from AmazingRibs.com. Don't forget, new brining calculator, salt calculator. Clint Cantwell from Grillocracy, formerly of Smoking to Eye. He's going to be the new head writer slash uh, recipe developer while Meathead does some more high-level moving the ship and the vision in the direction that it should. And then the second hour, we talked with Jason Baker from GreenMountainGrills.com about their new pizza insert that is only available for Green Mountain Grills. Jim Bowie and Daniel Boone models. And then closing out the show, Terry Rowan from Lone Star Q Crew. Lone Star Lone Star Q Crew barbecue competition cooking team. He won the Houston Steak event this past weekend. We got a really big show already next week, if you can believe it or not. Uh, we have Cook Shack in for sure. We have Stephen Reichlin in for sure. It will be the third Tuesday of 2017 already. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. 2017 rapidly coming to a close. September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.